you all today? Pretty good? You are welcome. One response. Well, it's good to be back. Um, I have learned with two kids, it's kind of challenging when you work at home, especially when the toddler has decided to stop taking naps. But we still have rest time in the room because I need that for my sanity. But I get to hear in the background her taking off all her clothes and running in circles singing Viva La Vida by Coldplay or Thunder by Imagine Dragons. Those are her two favorites. And then stopping to make chicken noises and talk to uh, Kristoff and Prince Hans from Frozen, her two favorite people from uh, Prince Hans. She doesn't realize he's bad. But anyways, so it was a little challenging to get work done. I'm going to have to figure out a different, different way for that. So today I get to discuss... Obedience. Thanks, Dave. Um, He gives me the best topics. Last year I had to do women's role in marriage, and now I get to do obedience. So, awesome. All right, so we've been doing the book of Joshua, and today we'll be in chapter 23, um, and I think next week is the last week. So we're wrapping up the book of Joshua. So in this chapter, Joshua gives his farewell address. He's pretty old at this point, and he calls all the leaders together, uh, which for them represents the entire body of Israel. So he calls all the leaders to give them final words of encouragement and warning and reminders before he passes away. So the main point of this speech that he gives them is to remind them to be faithful to God. So they've been on this land for about 25 years now, um, and they've been conquering nations and at war with all these other people for about 25 years, and it says in there that God has given them a little bit of rest. So they've had a few years of rest, but overall, 25 years of trying to drive out these nations. How many of you are runners? Yeah. Oh, good. More people that I have in common with. I am not a runner, and I hate running, and I dislike when people try to make me run, and I dislike those people very much. Um, But I would imagine that if you've been running for miles and miles and miles, that last mile is probably the hardest, right? Or for me, when I do my one loop in the neighborhood, that last little corner, it's just really hard to keep running. Um, But I'm a great walker, though, let me tell you. So the last little bit is always the hardest because you've you've worked so hard, you feel so tired, you really just want to die at that point, right? But you have to force yourself with every last ounce of energy to finish that last mile, to get to that goal, to finish that line, or to get coffee and carbs for me. So sometimes when you're going, 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 it's just hard to finish and just get through that last little bit because you just want to be done. And this is Israel. Joshua is about to pass away. He's about to leave them. He's their leader. And he's telling them, I know it's hard. I know you've had a little bit of a break, but you're not done yet. You have to finish this last mile. You still have a few nations left that you need to conquer, that God will help you conquer, but you have to keep at it, and you have to stay faithful to God because it's going to be easy for them to just stop, just befriend the other nations, just, just let them live there. Um, but he says you have to remain faithful, you have to finish this conquest, and then you have to remain faithful beyond so it said that he had, given, he had given Israel a little bit of rest. So he probably felt, Joshua probably felt even more urgency in this because we all know that it's dangerous when we get comfortable, isn't it? We forget God when things are going well. 
Because why would we need to come to him when you have what you need and things are going great? That's why trials are always so great for us, right? Because it reminds us of our never-ending and deep need for the Lord. Trials remind us who's actually in control and whose strength we're supposed to rely on instead of our own. So Joshua doesn't want them to lose sight of the whole purpose for them being on that land. So in Joshua's speech, he reminds them of what God has done for them, and he calls them to be faithful and obedient, and then he tells them why and then what will happen if they don't. So let's read in Joshua 23, verse 3. So this is at the very beginning of his speech. It says, And you have seen all that the Lord your God has done to all these nations for your sake. For it is the Lord your God who has fought for you. Behold, I have allotted to you as an inheritance for your tribes to those, those nations that remain, along with all the nations that I have already cut off, from the Jordan to the great sea in the west. The Lord your God will push them back before you and drive them out of your sight. And you shall possess their land just as the Lord God, your God, promised you. So he begins by reminding them that their work is not done yet. Remember what God has done for you. Stay vigilant. Stay faithful. Finish this conquest and then take it to the next generation and teach them to be faithful too. So he makes a point of retelling them what God has already done for them. Because Israel can have confidence and assurance in the Lord by remembering his faithful words and deeds that he did in the past. Because God has held fast to all of his promises that he made them. So he, he knew, they knew they could be faithful because they knew where he was faithful and good for his word. And he would continue to be so. This is promises that he made back in Exodus. Exodus 23, 30. It says, little by little, I will drive them out before you until you have become fruitful and inherit the land. So he told them way back then that this is going to happen. It was going to take a long time, but it was going to happen. So they've seen him take down powerful nations so that they could enter this land that was promised to them. So they know it's possible to conquer the remaining nations. They knew he was good for his word. So he said he would protect them. He said he would drive out the nations before them. So Joshua is saying, don't worry. You saw what God did and you know what he can do. He'll help you finish this task. Verse 9 and 10, he says, For the Lord has driven out before you great and strong nations. And as for you, no man has been able to stand before you this day. One man of you puts to flight a thousand, since it is the Lord your God who fights for you just as he promised you. Imagine what God can do through you if each man was able to take down an army of a thousand people. So, and Jesus says that if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, which is probably, you can't even see it if I was holding it, then we could move mountains. And faith in God is powerful because we have a powerful God. But the reason Jesus, Joshua is telling them this is so that they recognize that they were only able to do these things because of God and because of their faith in God. And they will only continue to be successful if they continue being faithful. So he's trying to get them motivated into faithful obedience. Because the next point he makes is back in verse 6. says, Therefore be strong to keep and do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, turning aside from it neither to the right hand nor the left, that you may not mix with these nations remaining among you, or mention of the names of their gods, or swear by them, or serve them, or bow down to them. But you shall cling to the Lord your God as you have done to this day. So once Joshua reminds Israel what God has done for them, he says, this was only possible because of God and your faith in God. So, or therefore, you have to stay faithful. He calls them to obedience. He says, you must, he says three things. You must keep the law of Moses, 
You must not mix with the other nations or bow down to their idols, and you must love the Lord your God, which all three of these go hand in hand. So first off, he says, you must follow the law of Moses. So this is God's word. At this point, they only have the first five books of the Bible. So they have the whole story of Moses and the law that God set down before them. But this is to be the standard for their life. And the same goes for us, because as Christians, we all have the same standard for life. God's word is the lens that we should all look through when we consider our life and the actions that we make. We should consider what God tells us is true and right and not what the world is saying that we should believe. Because the world is deceiving, is it not? There's so many false truths out there, and especially where we live. It's not like we live with some remote tribe in the Amazon where there's spiritualistic culture and good and evil are pretty evident. We live in a place where we are surrounded by evil, but we don't even see it because it's just a natural part of our society and our culture. It's presented to us as fact or equality or artistic expression. And we live in a place where we're lukewarm about religion or sometimes even just outright deny that there is a God. In Revelation, the church of Laodicea was even warned about being lukewarm because we either should choose to follow Christ or not. But if you choose to follow Christ, then do it. Do it with everything you have, including obeying his word. So the other thing Joshua says is that they're not to mix with the other nations, but they're to remain separate. So this is what God has called for the nation of Israel. The other nations were partaking in fertility worship. I'll let you figure out what that means. And they were also worshiping other idols. And so he knew that if he, they intermingled with them, if they married with them, they would follow after their idols, they would do their rituals, and they would turn away from God. And notice that the same word is used in verse 8 when it says, cling to the Lord your God. And then in verse 12, it says that if you cling to the remnants of these nations, the Lord will no longer help you. So this same root word is debak, which means to cling to, to join to, or stick with. So he's showing that it's an intentional allying of themselves. So either they are choosing, they are intentionally choosing to be faithful to the Lord, or they are choosing to be faithful to these other gods of these nations but it's a choice that they're making. Idolatry is one that God says over and over again in the Bible, right? Do not follow after other gods. Um, Do not worship them. So we're not supposed to make tangible handmade items the most important value in our life. In Luke 9, 62, it says, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. So it's saying you can't say that you're following the Lord, but then continually look back and want these things, or these things are what's going to define you, or fulfill you, or make your life complete. Because those are the things of the past. The Lord is what we're supposed to be looking towards. So Joshua is saying that we shouldn't worship their idols, but not even mix with them. So God is pretty clear about being equally yoked in marriage. But we know that we can't separate ourselves completely from society, right? We may live in a Christian country, but it's not so Christian. So to not associate with someone who doesn't believe in Christ is to live in a box. So we can't really take that to the extreme. So we should engage with people around us. We should be friends with non-believers, and we should be reaching out to people who don't believe in Christ, but we don't bow down to their idols. We don't join in. We don't go get drunk with them because it sounds fun. It can be challenging to live out God's truth uh, because we can easily swing to both extremes. We can either be legalistic and, 
and with no grace and we judge them or which w- would scare off any like non-believer friend you might have had or you can swing to the other one and just trying to be cool and say oh to each their own or you do you um but that just approves of what they're doing right that just says that it's okay to do that the question I want to ask you, though, are who are your closest friends? Who is the one that's pouring into your life and influencing your actions and your beliefs? Because that's the person that should be pushing you to Christ, and you're pushing them to Christ as well. Because a Christian community was meant to be your core group that helped keep you accountable and seek Christ together. John seventeen fifteen through 18 says, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them. So this is actually where you get the phrase, be in the world, but not of the world. Y'all heard that phrase? Um, It means to be engaged with the world, but not of the same mindset and not conformed by it. So we're to be a part of the culture, but we are not, but we're different and we're set apart. Romans 12, 2 says, Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So we don't let the culture define us or seep into our beliefs or change who we are. We're to follow God's law, which means we won't always get to do everything the culture does, right? Thank goodness, though, because the words fertility worship just make me cringe. But we, get, we don't really see that type of idol worship, do we? But, but we see sexual freedom in our culture, don't we? which is what Israel was seeing with those nations. And it's not even so much of a freedom, but a pressure to partake and accept and conform to it. So the third thing that Israel was to do was to cling to the Lord and to love him and be faithful, to love him with all of their heart, soul, and mind. So which, if you love the Lord with everything you are, then you're going to naturally obey and be faithful and follow his word and not the God's of the world, or at least desire to, right, or try. This is the first reason that Jesus gives as a motivation of why they should obey, love and God's grace. Because if we remember what all God did for us, just like Israel, they remembered what all God did for them, so they should be moved with thankfulness and gratitude. And out of that comes a desire to obey and continue to be faithful. So this is us as well. When we reflect and really understand what Jesus went through on the cross, He denied himself life. He was tortured and crucified on the cross just so that we could be freed from sin and have salvation. So how can we not respond with gratitude and thankfulness? If you truly love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, wouldn't you want to respond in faith and obedience? It's not, I do all these works so that I can get Jesus. It's because I have Jesus, because of what he did. I'm going to obey. I'm going to do these things because of my love for him, because of how much he loves me. So you might be thinking, what could possibly make me, motivate me to obey when there's so many fun things that my friends are doing and so many temptations, right? You're going to see that, especially in college. Because my friends look like they are enjoying life. I don't see any consequences from them getting drunk that one night. It was fine. And you may not see consequences right then, but that is a dangerous mentality to have because that's not the right heart behind it. Because what's in your heart will come out. And who you truly love will be evident by your actions, whether that's God or the world. So if you're doing these things and you feel great about it, you should probably examine your heart. So Joshua gives another motivation to why they should obey. And that was also a warning. 
he puts it at the end of his address, which normally motivational speaker, they like say encouraging words at the end, but he finishes with giving him this warning of judgment. But he does it to get a point across because he reminds them that they have a powerful God that they should fear and respect. So they're try- he's trying to wake them up. He's saying that if you break this covenant that you made, this agreement that you made with God, then God will carry out the justice because Scripture always presents both kindness and severity of God. So the covenant that God made with Israel was a contract, similar to the way contracts were back then. It was an agreement between them saying, if you are faithful to the Lord, then he will help drive out these nations. If you are unfaithful and you turn away from the Lord, I'll stop helping you drive out these nations. And eventually they will become a thorn in your side. In verse 13, it says, and I actually think I wrote a word wrong. I don't know what I was doing, so I'm going to read it over here. Uh, 13 says, Know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations before you, but they shall be a snare and a trap for you, a whip on your sides and thorns in your eyes, until you perish from off this good ground that the Lord your God has given you. So he's saying that if you follow after these nations, idols of these other nations, it's going to be a thorn on your side. Eventually, it will destroy you and it will take you away from the land. So he's most likely foretelling when Babylon will come and take them into exile. And we, we will see that, that Israel will turn away from God. But there are consequences that will happen from breaking this agreement. Just like we know there's consequences that happen from our actions. So let's talk about justice. Joshua reminds Israel that ju- God, just as God was good for his word to fulfill his promises, he also will fulfill his judgment. That's because he's just and he's consistent. Think about your parents. If they threaten to ground you because you disobey this one rule, and then you go and disobey it, and they do nothing, would that be fair? Would you still respect your parents' authority when they don't follow through? If you're the sibling, you want things to be fair, right? You want them to get that punishment because that was what was deserved. So Israel stayed faithful to God, so God continued to drive out the nations. Israel was not faithful to God, so God would stop helping them because God is good for his word. He will judge sin, I mean, that's the point of the cross, isn't it? Because God is just and fair, so he has to punish sin. And we all sin so much that we deserve death. But he loved us so much, right, John three sixteen, that he sent his only son to take on the punishment for us, to take all of the punishment upon himself so that we could be freed from that and be able to have a relationship with him. Um, Joshua or the speech that Joshua gives is actually very similar to the one Moses gives in Deuteronomy. So it probably really resonated with the people that were there that had been there with Moses also. Because Joshua wasn't telling them anything new. It wasn't anything they hadn't heard before. But it was something that they needed to hear and to be reminded of. And it was kind of like Elby mentioned last week. Sometimes we need to hear old truths, but with a fresh perspective on them so that they become real because we may go to church every Sunday. We may hear church answers every Sunday and Wednesday, and we hear the same truths over and over again. But how can you have a heart change from that? When can it be more than just about fixing actions? How can old truths become fresh and new and real? And how do you grow into the image of Christ with these same foundational truths that we've heard all our lives? Joshua gives them a choice at the end. He says, follow the Lord, and you will continue to conquer these nations and have protection or fall away 
and you will receive the judgment. So what course are we going to decide for our life? Because we have a choice to make, especially when you get to college. That's when I made my choice because it wasn't my parents' religion anymore. So when you go and you're faced with a party or your friends are doing whatever it might be, are you going to be that person that fits in, that says, I'll just do whatever they're doing to be cool? Are you going to decide that you're going to stay true to God because you love God so much from what he did for you that you're motivated to be different and to be distinct and not be conformed by the, the rest of the world? All right, I'm going to pray and then we can do discussion. God, I thank you so much for um, stories like this, Lord, that may seem old or we don't understand um, the culture of the Bible, Lord. But I I pray that um, we can take the truths from it, God, and run with it, that we'll learn um, that you're a good God and a sovereign God and a just God. Um, But you're fair, and we know that, and we love you, and we... I just pray that we can be motivated and uh, truly have a heart change for you, that it will become something that's um, a part of our life, that you are a part of our life, Lord, and it's not just um, fixing actions or a Sunday thing. I just pray that we can uh, resonate with these truths today. Amen.